you know, Taj Gibson, they say, uh, is not as good as he once was, but is, ah, what's the rest of that quote? Hang on. Wait for this. This is going to be a sick oh, is this drop. A Toby, a Toby Keith quote? <laughs> Shut up. Dude, I don't know. My Toby Keith shout out's not going to work. This is going to take too long to say. Anyways, shout out to Toby Keith. <laughs> That'd be really funny with a drop at the end of it. What is going on, everyone? And welcome to another episode of Deep Two a basketball podcast where we talk the latest in the NBA. Today is Tuesday, February 6th. My name is Kiefer Mendoza, and I'm joined by my friend and my co-host, Ryan Stanley. Ryan, how are you living today? Keith, I'm doing very well today. Um, it is my favorite week of the year. It is NBA trade deadline week. Mm. So I'm just going to sit here and look at my phone for the next few days and ignore everyone who tries to talk to me. <laughs> the 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 world will not understand how hype we're about to be for a Monty Morris trade. Um, it just it just doesn't make sense on paper. But you know this is this is one of the most exciting weeks of the year, uh, indeed. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna jump right into everything. So uh, Ryan, I want to start uh, and and kind of go. We're gonna go a little backwards. Um, so a week ago, you and I uh, went to the Knicks at Hornets game. Um, and this was a big week, I feel like, for the Knicks. There's, there's just so much that, that has, has happened, um, basketball-related, uh, podcast-related, just some funny stuff that I've been seeing from um, the, the guys on your team. So um, we'll start right there. Um, let's start with that game that we went to, and then I guess if we want to touch on the rest of the games throughout the week as well that the Knicks had. Um, what, were your, what were your big takeaways from getting to see your guys in this form? It was – Honestly, like it was everything that you could have possibly ever wanted at a Charlotte Hornets game. I mean, honestly, like I can't imagine a better environment this entire season to go see the Hornets in in person because um, it was, as you know, uh, maybe 95% Knicks fans. I mean, on genuinely in most sections, you're having to like look for Hornets fans um, and like on the Jumbotron, even like when they would go and like, you know, they try to keep like the home team fans on screen as opposed to like, you know, doing like the funny dances and stuff with like opposing team stuff. But like they ended up showing like the same Hornets fans like three or four times, basically. Um, it was, it was incredible. Uh, Jalen Brunson balled out. Um, we got to see the beginning of the Dante DiVincenzo sauce. Mm. Um, he has been on a tear starting with that game. Uh, it was just, it was a ton of fun. It was everything that I could have possibly wanted. We got to see some irrational Deuce McBride threes. We got to see the fans scream at Quentin Grimes for just existing. Um, and, and basically, I'm pretty sure after that game, he's been faking an injury for the last few days. Um, but it was, it was everything that you would have possibly wanted. Um, we saw some guys who were convinced that we were up by 30 when we were up by like 14. Uh, and, <laughs> They're screaming at uh, Tom Thibodeau to take Brunson out of the game because, you know, this is the game after Julius Randle was uh, undercut by Hami Hawkins and, and dislocated his shoulder. But, uh, dude, it was everything I could have wanted other than uh, it would have been sweet to have 
you know, some of our injured players appear in the game. But Keith, how was how was your experience as a fan of neither of these teams? Man, it was it was honestly one of the best environments of an NBA game that I've been to. Um, simply for that fact that you that you mentioned that it was literally a majority of Knicks fans. And uh, for those of you listening out there who have never uh, who had never really seen Knicks fans in full action um, like I hadn't prior to this game, um, they live up, man. They live up to to all the hype <laughs> and all the uh, the media attention that they get. Um, it was just crazy. I was like, you know, uh, I know that the Knicks are really good, um, but I was like, the Hornets are, are really bad. I didn't think this was going to be that exciting of a game. Um, and the score was was pretty dominant towards the Knicks. But the environment in there felt like it was, you know, the closest game of this of the season um, because that's just how all the Knicks fans in there were, were acting. And it was just a fun time, man. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was funny, uh, those guys next to us, um, compared to some of the Hornets fans behind us. It was just a, a great, a great combination of things. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, getting to see Jalen Brunson do his thing. Um, he had, I, I think if I'm, I was thinking, trying to remember this morning how the game kind of went, but um, the first half, you know, he was only like eight, 10 points, something like that. And then uh, really just, you know, took off in that second half with 20 plus to, to get him over 30 points for that game. I um, mean, it was just, it was just cool to see how smooth he is. And, um, and, it, and when you like, you see it on TV, but not as much, but how small of a guy he is just to be so dominant on the floor. And I've always loved small guards. Like I've always just been, you know, those have always been kind of my favorite players. And so, you know, Jalen Brunson uh, being that small yet controlling the game in the way that he does, I thought it was just a fantastic, uh, a fantastic thing to see. Yeah. He like when he like gets into the paint, it, it just feels like, like it looks like he doesn't know how to play basketball for a second. Like he looks like awkward. Like he's just kind of like bumbling through guys into the paint. And then the ball just kind of like launches straight up in like this really high arc and it just floats right in. It's, it's like this weirdly calculated, but kind of ugly way of driving to the basket. Um, but you're totally right, man. It was, it was crazy. If anybody didn't see the videos, I mean, he was getting MVP chance at the line. Uh, Hornets players were getting booed. Um, it was it was an unreal thing. It, it's probably the closest thing that I've ever felt to like actually seeing a road team take over an opposing arena. Um, in fact, like I I had just been to the South Carolina Kentucky basketball game just a few days before, and I was like, I mean, I was I was feeling like I was having a good time. I was screaming with this dude beside me. Um, a fist like I love I'm a big fist pumping guy. Um, you know that kind of thing. Like I don't think I sat down for like two straight hours. But like when we were at the Hornets game, it was like I I didn't think I could get hype enough. Like I was sitting there and I was like, I was like, what is going on around me? Um, it was it was truly a a magical experience and uh, got to see got to see the boys. JB, it, it felt very similar to seeing SGA last year in the same environment where it was just this kind of. I mean, SGA is like a a few inches taller than Jalen Brunson, but like is just this guard who um, was just effortlessly scoring right in front of our eyes. In front, like there's nine other professional basketball players on the court, and it's like this guy's so much better than everybody else. Mm. It's it's ridiculous. So it was really special. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Um, I, I do want to mention that that night um, on the other side of things, that night was a, a start of a really good five-game stretch from Brandon Miller. So we actually saw him 
tie his season high and I guess career high because he's a rookie. Uh, he had 29 points in that game against the Knicks. And then from there, he's had a really great five games. So he had 29 in that game. He had 21 versus the Bulls, which I got to see that game as well. I came back a couple days later um, to see the Bulls. And, you know, I was I was thinking about that Bulls game and, you know, the, the Knicks and the Bulls have very similar uh, global fan bases and, and nationwide fan bases. And so I was wondering, you know, is, is it going to be the same thing uh, whenever the Bulls come to town? And it actually wasn't. There was actually a majority of, of Hornets fans. And I just thought that was interesting. The Bulls aren't, aren't nearly as good as the Knicks. So, I mean, that, that also plays into it. Uh, but I thought that was interesting that, you know, the Hornets fans were actually getting cheered on at the Bulls Hornets game. <laughs> but uh, so he had 29 against the Knicks, 21 against the Bulls, against the Thunder. He had 28. And then um, he against the Pacers, he had 35, which would be his career high. And then against the Lakers, he had 33. So he's had a really great stretch of games, having a really solid second half of this season. Um, the first half of his season didn't look too great. Looked like he was not bad, but, you know, not necessarily number two pick worthy. But now he's definitely stepping into that. So I thought that was just a cool, a cool thing that we've been able to see. And we got to kind of see the start of this this little run that he's on. Yeah, I think the Hornets definitely have at least something now to have hope in for the future. Like that that seems abundantly clear because I mean anybody can have like one good game, but like I mean to, to put together a stretch like this, um, especially I mean like you know, at least in the Knicks and, and Thunder. Uh, case like those are two of the better defenses i think they're both top five defenses right now over this last month um so it's not exactly easy especially when you're on a team like the hornets where like if brandon miller's on the court like who are you really thinking about other than that i mean we were joking when we walked into the spectrum center about how like there's a giant led wall with a picture of ish smith on it like (laughs) you know brandon miller's on the court like who else is getting your attention so it's been really cool to see he definitely looks like uh something for the Hornets here going forward and honestly I'd love to see him and LaMelo play together during this stretch so that'd be that'd be pretty sick all right let's jump to the all-star game so um our last episode was talking about uh our predictions for the the all-star reserves and so we got those officially and so I'll read them out for us and then um just want to hear hear your thoughts on it rise so in the east we have as the reserves Bam Adebayo Paolo Bancaro Jalen Brown, Jalen Brunson, Tyrese Maxey, Donovan Mitchell, and Julius Randle. So right here, let's stick with the East. Um, anything here that's, that stands out to you? Um, I mean, honestly, the biggest thing that stands out to me about the East, I, I really think that they got it right here. I don't have a whole lot of thoughts other than, like, maybe Scotty Barnes could have slipped in, but he's these last few weeks he's kind of uh, taken a dip in, in his scoring. So, um I can kind of understand why some of these other guys would get in ahead of him. Other than that, like, I, I was just kind of thinking that, you know, Embiid's obviously not going to play. Um, Randall's obviously not going to play. So they're going to have to fill two of those spots. And that's where it kind of gets hairy because there's there's honestly, like, not a lot of guys in the East that I would want to put into the All-Star game outside of the guys who are already in it. Um which kind of like leads me into some of my thoughts about the West. I do have a very creative idea there, but uh, you know, honestly, it'll be interesting because you're probably looking at like a, you know, Scotty Barnes, as I mentioned, Jimmy Butler, even though he's missed a bunch of games, uh, you might see like Kristaps Porzingis, you know, give like the the Celtics a third player. Um, it's really interesting, but other than that, I do think that they got this right. Uh, I think everybody deserves to be there. 
it's cool to see Paolo there in year two. So, you know, I, I'm a big sucker for like young guys getting in like, like that. Um, so yeah. 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 I think the only thing that the only one that I would have an argument for, not that I'm super passionate about this is Trey young. Um, so he's, his numbers for the season, 27.3 points, 10.9 assists, 2.8 rebounds, pretty decent, decent efficiency, 44% from the field and 38% from three. Um, the Hawks are the 10 seed, which is, you know, his biggest downfall is that, you know, they, they have a seemingly well-constructed team yet, you know, his, his numbers aren't necessarily leading to wins, but, um, I feel like he's going to sneak in here with all of these different, um, uh, these injuries that are happening with, like you mentioned, Julius Randle and Joel Embiid. Uh, but I think if, if Scotty Barnes and Trey Young are able to sneak into uh, those, those filler spots with those two guys out, um, I think I'd be happy, but yeah, I agree. I mean, the, if I were to, I was trying to look at everybody's stats and really try to, to um, rationalize everything. The only one that I'm like kind of hesitant on is actually Jalen Brown. And I didn't really expect that to be, but um, he's averaging like 22 points on the season, and um, I feel like I feel like his his performance, or at least the Boston Celtics' success, is less about the star power and more about just that they're a really well constructed team and they all play really well together. And Jalen Brown, to me, this season um, isn't to me. He's not playing like an all star sort of player, but more of like a really, really, really good role player. Um, yeah. I think that he can be that star and we've seen him do that, you know, in, in, you know, as, as far as the finals, but uh, I feel like right now the Celtics are just rolling on all cylinders and Jalen Brown is obviously, you know, a, a, a big part of that, but um, I would probably, I'd probably take him out. If I were to change anything, I'd probably take him out and put, put Trey Young in. That's there. true. People, people have been overlooking Trey Young season and I literally did like three minutes ago so uh, i i think he would be my front runner as well for uh the first guy in and it would be kind of cool to see him and as far as like the Jalen brown thing goes it feels like this season is very similar to like the chris middleton all-star year um uh, where it's like you know this is the number one seed in the east they kind of have to have two all-stars and i think um i think Jalen brown almost just kind of has that like like some guys, you know, you don't really think about them when it's all all star season, right? Like it's, it's like you know, of course this guy is going to be an all star. Like of course Steph Curry is going to be an all star this year, and you know that kind of stuff. And it's like, well, should these guys be? But it's like you kind of pencil in like, I don't know, like eight to ten guys as all stars every single season. And Jalen Brown is somehow, I guess he's got like a good PR firm or something because he's like somehow worked his way into that conversation. Even though uh, some people I've seen online have been debating whether or not Jalen Brown's even like the second best player on his team right now. Um, so who knows? Uh, he got in, but I have a lot more thoughts on the West though. So how yeah. are you feeling about that, Keith? Yeah, let's let's hit it. So uh, the Western Conference reserves: Devin Booker, Stephen Curry, Anthony Davis, Anthony Edwards, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Carl Anthony Towns. Hit me with your thoughts. <laughs> Um, I think everybody kind of has like the first thought when you look at this and that's that no Kings players made it in somehow. Um, I, I think over these last few weeks, I've become more partial to Sabonis over Fox. Uh, but one, one of the two of them should have been in this all-star game. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'll look it up right now so that I don't, uh, misguide anyone, but the Kings are currently sitting at fifth in the West. 
Um, that's deserving of an all-star. I mean, they're 29 and 20. Um, both these guys have had huge games. And, you know, I was just kind of like looking over this. Um, not really sure who you should take out in order to make that happen. Um, because I also, as I mentioned last spot, I believe that the, the Timberwolves should have two all-stars. And I like that it was Cat over Gobert. Um, so that leads me to my creative solution that I came up with back when we were talking about the East. How about this, Keith? How about we just don't give the East two more all-stars? <laughs> what if we just don't replace Julius Randle and Joel Embiid? Because literally, who cares? What if we just let DeMontis Sabonis in? And, you know, how about we just go ahead and let Victor Wimbanyama in along with <laughs> There him? you go. <laughs> because Wimby's having an amazing season, and I also think he should have been an all-star. And that that's the problem. The West has too many good players, and, like, I would much rather see them than talking about how we're going to replace Julius Randle with Scotty Barnes, you know? Yeah. I, when you look at the West, at the East versus the West, I mean, you mentioned earlier Paolo's having a, a great season. It's cool to see him. But you put DeMontis Sabonis in the East, and he's he's arguably, like, one of those top guys that would have get, gotten selected. You know, um, I put – I looked up his his stats. He's averaging nineteen point seven points, thirteen point one rebounds, and eight point two assists. That's like that's like Jokic numbers almost, you know, with a little bit less uh, scoring. Um, crazy good efficiency, sixty two percent field goal percentage, and forty three percent from the three. And like you said, the Kings are the fifth seed in the West. Um, and I also saw this was right after all the All Stars got announced, but I saw that he's like seventh in MVP voting right now and he's not he's not an all-star so you know i'm i'm all for it i think the it 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 complicates things so much with the conferences uh being you know the defining factor of who gets snubbed and who doesn't uh because in in almost every single year one or one or the other of the conference of the conferences are uh, more stacked and so you have guys who are 100 percent deserving of all-star nods, not get them. Um, and I was listening to uh, the mismatch podcast earlier today, and they were talking about how, you know, it, it may not seem like that big of a deal right now, but down the line, down the road, we're going to look at, you know, Hey, uh, DeMontis, DeMontis Sabonis got three all-star votes or three all-star teams while this other guy got six or seven. And we're going to people who, weren't necessarily around to see these guys play. That's what they're going to look at. They're going to look at the accolades. And that's what really stinks about, you know, this whole thing that uh, it's going to, this season for him is going to get overlooked uh, for the Kings. It's going to get overlooked because of a, you know, a a silly accolade that, that got missed. So um, yeah, I'm for it. I think that either, either increase the amount of players selected or just make it non-conference just the, the, 24 best guys in the NBA. Um, but it's just, it's such a, such an old, you know, it's such a tradition thing to have the conferences. So I don't see it changing anytime soon. I'm telling you. And, you know, I, they are, I guess, returning to the, the conferences playing each other in the all-star game this year. Um, I guess in the past where they had like the all-star draft, which honestly I loved the all-star draft, like bring that back. Um, yeah, I liked it too. I don't, who are they getting rid of that for? But, uh, you know, so they're they're going back to the conferences this year, so I guess it, like, quote-unquote matters or whatever. But, like, no one cares. I mean, 
you know, the all-star game is, is really cool for like three minutes. And then that's just kind of it. And then like, if you have a, a guy like as a reserve on these teams, like I'll, I'll want to see what Jalen Brunson does, but then by halftime, I won't really care. You know, um, it does matter if you're like a fan of these teams though, who have a guy who's like a one or two time all-star. It matters a lot to you. Like it matters a lot to me that Julius Randle was an all-star this year because I felt like he should have been an all-star and you know, like Boston fans don't care that that Jalen Brown is an All Star for like the sixth time or whatever. Like no one cares. But I don't know why I keep switching conferences. But I I guarantee you, Kings fans are like obsessed with this right now. <laughs> like I, I don't know what's going on in Kings Twitter, but I I guarantee you they're talking about how bad their guys were snubbed. I feel like you know you mentioned you mentioned Cat getting in over Gobert, and you know who would we who would we replace if we if we had to replace it. Um, I actually went with either Cat or Paul George, and I love I love Paul George. You know, I like what Cat does, uh, but to me, the if you look at their numbers, they're all very similar. They're you know the three of them between Cat, Paul George, and Sabonis. They're not having they don't have this big gap between their scoring numbers, but the difference is. Uh, Towns and Paul George are just on these rolling teams and they are beneficiaries of really good systems and they, they provide a lot to their teams. I think that Cat is arguably the second best player. Some nights he's the third best player, depending on how you view Gobert. And then Paul George is is not only a great offensive player for the, for the Clippers, but uh, also like fifth in steals right behind Kawhi Leonard, who is fourth in steals. Uh, but I feel like either of those guys – um, they are the second guys on their team, whereas Sabonis is is the first guy in by, by all accounts, um, even with the greatness of of De'Aaron Fox. And so, I probably would take one of those guys out to to put Sabonis in. Agreed. Oh, hey, quick shout out though when we're talking about All Star Weekend, uh, shout out Jalen Brown for doing the dunk contest. It's the first time in like oh, a is decade. That confirmed? It's like I mean, it's basically been reported. Um, but it would be, I guess, technically we can't say that it's happening, but um, there's been a lot of reports about it, and Jalen Brown would be the first All-Star basically in about a decade almost to take part in the dunk contest, so we need more of that. I was thinking, man, if I have to – I loved the Mac McClung thing last year, but if I have to get hyped for that again, then I don't know if I'm going to necessarily enjoy my – enjoy my all-star watching experience it's, yeah because that's only fun because it's like ironically fun it's like <laughs> yes. haha look at that guy uh yeah most recent thing is barstool sports reported this morning that he is uh strongly linked to being in the dunk contest this year which is one of those weird nba terms where like people just aren't saying it yet let's go it's one step closer to lebron finally doing a a dunk contest that's that's what the people want man that is <laughs> Mm. All right, let's jump to the next piece of news, which is Joel Embiid, who suffered um, a meniscus injury a couple games ago against the Golden State Warriors. He uh, underwent surgery um, on his left knee and will be reevaluated in four weeks. And so originally when that injury happened a couple days ago, we weren't sure what the timeline was post-surgery if Embiid would even return this season, this postseason, or until you know the the off season, but there's still still not you know a massive amount of clarity. But they're going to reevaluate him in, in four weeks. So 
Just a couple things on the Sixers. They are 4-11 and without Embiid. Uh, they have been linked to a lot of different available players on the trading block as far as this trade deadline goes to to make some moves to, to bolster this roster that's that's already pretty good but could use another piece. Um, so with this with this news about Embiid, what do you think the Sixers plan is? What do you think that they should do? Should they be aggressive at this trade deadline and, and try to find that third star? Is it too much of a risk right now with the uh, the lack of clarity with Embiid? Uh, what are your thoughts on them? Um, honestly, dude, when I first heard about this, my thought was that this was kind of good for the Sixers because I don't know if any player in basketball looks as exhausted on a basketball court as Joel Embiid does. <laughs> and I just I feel like this is good for them in the long term with the playoff run coming up because like they're they're gonna make the playoffs. I mean, like we're gonna get some like crazy fifty point Tyrese Maxey games, which I mean we have quite literally gotten since he got hurt. Um, you know that kind of stuff's gonna happen, and Joel Embiid, you know, is gonna be rested up for the playoffs, which will help them a lot. I mean. Every year he just looks so tired and so slow by the end of the year. Um, so that that was honestly the the biggest takeaway that I had. It's going to suck not seeing him. Honestly, too, dude, I thought that this was kind of like a bit. Like, he missed that game against Jokic, which, you know, whatever, like in Denver last week. Um, and then he missed the next game and said that – or what was it? There, I, don't, I can't remember the exact timeline, but there's that quote that came out that he was trying to play through injury to like avoid like criticism or whatever for missing the Jokic game, and then um, I think yeah, I think he played in the next game for like a at least like a couple quarters, um, and then you know genuinely I thought it was all like a bit like he was trying to cover up ducking Nikola Jokic in that game. Mm -hmm. Um, which if this is still a bit and he's getting surgery and he's going to be out for a few weeks, that's an incredible amount of commitment, uh, which, you know, if there's one guy in the league who commits to bits, it's Joel Embiid. Uh, but honestly, that that's all that I really have to say about the, the Sixers. I mean, they're, they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to be a formidable team, whether or not they get game sevens on the road or at home. Um, and ultimately, I think having a well-rested Embiid heading into the playoffs is what's best. But I do think for the Sixers, I, I do think they need to make a move here. Um, they need to maximize these next couple games before the trade deadline gets here, which I th they might actually only have one game before the trade deadline actually hits. Um, but they need to maximize this time with Tobias Harris and put him on the trading block um, because that that's a piece that hasn't been working. And there's this very small window without Embiid where uh, Tobias Harris can kind of be like your your main scoring big in a lot of ways, playing that four position. Um, so that might open up a door for them to be able to maximize his value right now. So um, other than that, I, I do like the Sixers as they stand. I wouldn't treat this very drastically. I would just, you know, coast into the playoffs. Yeah, I honestly didn't think about it through that lens that this is going to force MB to have some some rest I think that that is that is going to be super beneficial. Hopefully he does come. Hopefully it's not worse than than what they're thinking. Um, I feel like it's 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 a lot more hopeful considering they're going to revisit it in a month and see where he's at. Um, you know, it could have been like he was going to miss two to three months and just evaluate right before uh, the playoffs started. So hopefully this works out for them. I'm really, I've really enjoyed seeing Tyrese Maxey be successful on this good team, and so I think that uh, 
them just, like you said, maximizing this team, hopefully shipping off to Tobias Harris and some of their, some of their picks for another third option. Um, that might be the best, the best route, but yeah, we're going to, we're going to, I hope everybody is prepared to see some incredible <laughs> Tyrese Maxey games where he scores 50 points on 40 shots. It's going to be, it's going to be so awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, a couple other things before we hit our last topic, um, just another, some more injury updates. I don't know if you saw, but Zach Levine is out for the season, um, with this very suspicious, uh, this very suspicious uh, right foot surgery, that when he got injured, so so he played about seventeen games or something at the beginning of the season, got injured, came back for like seven games, got injured again, and the overwhelming news or the over- overwhelming rumors were that he was going to get traded to. He was originally linked to the Lakers. Uh, the Warriors snuck in there as as content as contending uh, trade partners. Um, the Kings were even in the conversation, and that was the you know that was kind of the what was what we were all expecting. What what Bulls fans were expecting, we were going to get some some combination of some of those young guys. Uh, but the most recent news has been uh, the Bulls linked to trade with the Pistons uh, for Zach Levine, and so. Uh, it's f- so funny the timeline that this mm-hmm. all happened was on Twitter. It was Bulls and Pistons are in strong talks to uh, make a Levine deal, and then literally the next within an, I, I had actually uh, written an article about the Bulls and Pistons trade talks ramping up, and I had pitched it, and it was getting ready to be published. And a literal hour after I wrote that, it was the news broke that Zach Levine was undergoing season-ending surgery on his right foot, uh, which was not hinted at at all in his prior injuries. There was no, no, uh, no hint to that in, in any of his reports, and so uh, that was just something a little fishy that uh, I feel like a lot of Bulls fans are a little salty about. That Zach Levine probably heard the Pistons rumors and didn't want to go to a historically bad team, and you know made this call. But here's what I have to say: is that the Bulls can still trade him. Not, not that anybody would actually want him, but the Bulls still can make a trade. So maybe Detroit uh, will make a desperation heave and be like, oh, we don't need him this season anyway. Let's trade for him. Uh, but I, anyways, I just wanted to touch on that real quick. That would be an all-time <laughs> funny move. Um, yeah, honestly, too, right before um, the Pistons stuff started ramping up and then the, the surgery news and everything broke, yeah, there were a couple of reports coming out that it was looking like the Bulls were going to have to attach assets to Zach Levine to trade him somewhere because, I mean, it's Zach Levine, you know, former All Star, like not not like a bad player at all, but you know his contract is just so much more inflated than his actual value to most teams. Um, so that, that's kind of the the thinking there is that like the Bulls would have to attach like some picks or like a like a Patrick Williams or like a young guy or, or something like that. Um, and so it's kind of interesting how that timeline worked, worked out as well. Um, yeah, it, it's super odd. I mean, it's, it's very fishy as you, have you, as you have acknowledged, but, uh, Hey, congrats. At least the bulls like have an identity now. It's like, Hey, this is just <laughs> yeah. like, this is Kobe white's team. Now this is what this team is going to be. Um, going to very like respectfully have a lottery pick this year it's not like a you're not really necessarily tanking this is just literally what you have to do so uh you know what congrats Keith at least at least you're not in this weird in-between era anymore yeah I'm I'm just ready for the Kobe White 
Kobe White on everybody's, you know, on all the billboards. He is the the face of the franchise. Um, I, I'm all for it. I actually noticed that when I was watching the Bulls Hornets last week. That obviously this was not that important of a game with the Hornets being so bad, but uh, they were not feeding Demar Derozan uh, as as much as you would if you were a quote unquote Demar Derozan led team. It really it really looks like. They are just completely deferring to Kobe White, which is really fun, you know, because he's he's a super exciting player. He had a sick poster on uh, Mason Mensa on the Charlotte <laughs> Hornets, so that's mm. that was dope. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I mean, yeah. how many how many people can say that? Like, <laughs> not many. <laughs> not many with the three played. minutes he plays. <laughs> so he's easily played minutes in the NBA. <laughs> All right, so with our last couple minutes here, as the trade deadline is approaching very rapidly in two days, as we're recording this podcast, uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some some possible trade outcomes that could happen before this deadline. And I do want to preface this by saying, obviously, depending on when you're listening to this, this episode should be up by Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. But by the time you're listening to this, some of these trades may have already come true, or uh, these trades may look completely completely bogus because time moves fast in the NBA and, and teams, teams are making moves uh, here and there, left and right, you know. Uh, so just keep that in mind as you're listening, uh, but we're just going to kind of throw some things out there. So, Rye, you've got, some, you've got some possible trades for us. Why don't you hit us with the first one? I do. Come on, man. First one, year two of me including Keldon Johnson in my very first trade. I can't. You could have you could have given me fifty chances to guess who your who your first trade was going to center around, and I would not have gotten to Keldon Johnson. Dude, this one's spicy. Most people wouldn't call this the Keldon Johnson trade, but I am. <laughs> All right, hear me out. Jeremy Sohan and Keldon Johnson, both of them, the two guys holding back Victor Wembanyama to Golden State mm. for Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and Moses Moody. Oh wow. Think about that for a little bit. Think so the Warriors, that. the Warriors just dumped two of their their legends. Yes. <laughs> I mean, for Jeremy replacing, Sohan. You're replacing Draymond Green with Jeremy Sohan. <laughs> that's really that's the whole reason I cooked up this trade is because I thought that would be funny. I was like, hey, <laughs> you're kind of getting like uh you're getting like the millennial uh Dennis Rodman, and you're trading yeah. for like the Gen Z Dennis Rodman. <laughs> I like it. It's it's very relevant because I, I I'm sure you saw some of the Clay Thompson stuff last night. I think it was last night, but it was the game against the Nets where he was visibly angry about uh, not closing the the game out, and then he had the the interview in the in the locker room where he was saying he had to go from one of the best players to not closing games out, and then Draymond Green is in the background like I was. It's <laughs> like I was benched in Game Five of the Finals. Who the f cares? <laughs> so. It's just it's it's not not looking pretty in Golden State. So maybe maybe Tough we times. could see it. <laughs> I'm telling you, they get to ride out their careers with Greg Popovich, which is you know great for those guys. He'll maximize them. Um, they'll help develop Victor Wembanyama. That's actually a weirdly functional lineup. Um, and on the flip side, the Warriors get the scoring that they need out of Keldon Johnson. They get uh, like. 115% of who people think Draymond Green is out of Jeremy Sohan offense defense and personality wise 
I mean, I think it I think it works out. And you you'd probably have to include some other stuff to make the salary work because two of those guys make a ton of money and I'm sure none of the I honestly I think the Spurs have like the lowest payroll in the entire league. Uh but you know, how do like if you're Clay Thompson though, how do you go from like scoring 60 points in a basketball game like closing out that that 2016 series against OKC like you have the record for most threes in a in a basketball game like how do you do all that stuff and and look at your current career and not understand why you're getting benched that's right. my real question for Clay Thompson <laughs> like there's not even a shred of self-awareness there so that's that's my fake trade number one uh i'll be back next year attempting to get Keldon johnson off the spurs yet again but keith uh number two we've got uh we've got probably the least interesting trade that i'm gonna cook up and this is uh this is just a trade that makes sense for everybody involved except one of the teams and this is kyle kuzma going to the dallas mavericks and dallas mavericks unload grant williams now, the reason you do this is you kind of move off of a little bit of Kyle Kuzma money. You can probably pick up a couple first-round picks by doing that. And uh, if you're the the Mavericks, you essentially get the guy that you thought Grant Williams was going to be in Kyle <laughs> Kuzma. So, Keith, if you don't have a single thought in the world about that trade, that's fine. I don't I think mean, does. I do have a, a thought about uh, when the Lakers tweeted that picture of Kyle Kuzma. It was like a not an actual picture of him. It was like a, a cartoon or whatever. And it was the back of his head and his jersey. And he was looking at the two guys that he's been able to to kind of fall behind in the Lakers. It was like Kobe Bryant on this side, LeBron on this side, and it was like Kuz is next. Like <laughs> and I feel like that would be that would be uh what the Mavericks would have to hope for to to make this <laughs> make this trade um any more exciting than simply uh, oh, we don't have Grant, Grant Williams anymore. They should just keep updating that with every team that he's on. Like, have like Jordan Poole, have Luka Doncic after this trade. He's been beside some some really good and then uh, some questionably good players. I think it's fine to say that Jordan Poole's not good. <laughs> there you go. I've heard I heard somebody on a pod recently call him the worst player in the NBA, and they weren't trying to like make a hot take. But it was like they said it like you would say the sky's blue. Yeah, <laughs> they were like you're talking about Jordan Poole, the worst player in the NBA. I mean, it makes sense. It's because you could you throw like the Thanasis in there or like the Mason Mensas <laughs> of Charlotte, but it's like they don't get the time that Jordan Poole gets or the shots. So I I could I can get behind it. I love that. All right, Keith. Next, from one Jordan to another, uh, this is my obligatory Knicks trade. Um, this is Jordan Clarkson going to my New York Knicks for mm. Evan Fournier and probably a first-round pick. Benefits for, for Utah is that Jordan Clarkson has two more years on his deal. Evan Fournier isn't expiring, so you're basically just creating cap space for this summer. And you pick up a draft pick in doing this. Benefits for my Knicks are that we don't have any player on our bench unit which at the moment our bench unit is kind of our starting unit because so many yeah. guys are out. Um, as you witnessed, you witnessed a, a man named Charlie Brown playing for my Knicks the other <laughs> night. Um, we saw Ryan. Dang it. They put out a pronunciation guide on how to say his name the other day. And you don't pronounce the first R. It's like Achi Diakono. Oh. Like, it's weird. I learned when I saw that, that you don't say the first R. Wow. Um, That's cool. 
Yeah, but anyways, we witnessed them play basketball. So the Knicks yeah. need someone who can score, someone who's not Quentin Grimes, because every time Quentin Grimes breathes on a basketball court, thousands of Knicks fans <laughs> are wishing death threats upon him. I don't understand it. I've watched like every Knicks game for like three years in a row, basically, and I've never seen him do anything that warrants that much hate. <laughs> but you know what? Jordan Clarkson can take it. He yeah. he looks like the kind of guy who will fight back against his own fans if he needs to. And that's what we need in New York sometimes. I like it. You know, I feel like since the the quickly trade, you're you're looking for that that bench spark plug. And Jordan Clarkson is uh at least a one time six man, maybe a two time, I can never remember. Yeah. But he's definitely won it once. So he would fit that role perfectly. The Utah thing, this is just kind of random aside. The Utah thing is is so confusing to me what they're what they're trying to accomplish. They still have Lowry Markinen, who we had we've been thinking that he was getting traded since last season. Uh, mm-hmm. yet they are still holding on to him. And so maybe they are just trying to build around Markinen and, and Walker Kessler. Uh, but, yeah, I feel like the uh, a Clarkson move is – I feel like he would he would make sense on so many teams. But, yeah, I would love to see him in New York. Dude, do you even know who, like, Simone Fontecchio is? <laughs> I've seen his – I've seen his name on things before. <laughs> Tweets. Gonna, and... Just talking about the Jazz and whatever they're doing over there – like I was just scrolling through Twitter today and there's like this page that like posts like just random like NBA lines and just like stuff like that. And it said to make sure you hammer the Simone Fontecchio over two and a half three pointers today against OKC. <laughs> and I was like, I swear I'm never putting a dollar that I earn on this earth on this man that I've never heard of. <laughs> it's like, what are the chess doing? <laughs> so Three three pointers, by the way, for a guy I've never heard of. If that <laughs> if that interests you, if that betting line, which is probably passed by the time you hear this podcast, interests you, seek help. <laughs> like find one of those like numbers you can call because that's insane <laughs> behavior. Um. All right, so let's see what we got here from my next fake trade. My next fake trade is the uh, the annual three-team trade that we come up with, which does not come across well in audio form on a podcast because it takes a lot of like mental effort to mm-hmm. picture this. But here it is. I'll try to keep it short and sweet. DeJounte Murray mm-hmm. is going to the Philadelphia 76ers. Ooh. Oh, yeah. This is what I was trying not to tip my hand at earlier. So DeJounte Murray to the Sixers. Tobias Harris to the Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> They need players, man. I don't care who it is. They had eight <laughs> players available the other night. <laughs> Tobias Harris would score 40 uh, nightly for them. South Carolina legend Gigi Jackson just tearing it up right now because he's one of two NBA players on that roster. Um, so Tobias Harris to the Grizzlies. Marcus Morris to the Atlanta Hawks. Because Marcus Morris is basically the player that they thought they were getting in DeJounte Murray. DeJounte Murray is the size, like the sort of like big wingspan, like kind of bigger guard who can, uh, in theory, play defense, even though he just straight up doesn't. Um, He can give you a lot of scoring as another option. And, you know, he's not Tobias Harris, so you get to move on from Tobias Harris there. Yeah. And for the Grizzlies, like you said, you get to add one professional basketball player <laughs> to your roster. <laughs> it's Tobias Harris. Um, he will warm up for you. He will stretch and do shoot arounds and go to practice and put on a jersey. So that's really what they need. I thought it was so funny that 
the uh, the Grizzlies traded Stephen Adams for Victor Oladipo. I'm like, <laughs> I know that there were some like second round picks involved in there, but I was like, what what is this accomplishing exactly? Because I don't I don't know the return angle for either of these players. Uh, but I actually do really love Dejounte on the 76ers, especially right now as as Embiid's out, just to get him. If he was, if he were to go there to get him some some reps with Tyrese Maxey and just trying to figure out that backcourt together, I feel like that would be really cool. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it'd be a, it'd be a very fun team, and honestly, like the Hawks would be a fun team with like yeah. an actual defending guard next to Trey Young. So I like that. Uh, my next trade, uh, really, my next to last one is uh, one that it involves your team, as, mm. as I, I had to put one of these together. And Keith, you ever have one of those trades that like, they're not even trades, just thoughts that you have. And it like, it's just soothing because it just works out so well for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just like, I don't even know. It's just, it's it's a very like satisfactory kind of thought. Yeah. Here it is for you. Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder need a center, right? Like mm-hmm. really bad. It's like the one thing that they're really missing on their roster. Your team needs guys who aren't close to retirement and so (laughs) how about this Nikola Vucevic to the OKC Thunder and I'm so sorry to some of our listeners but for Lou Dort oh man (laughs) I don't know if this would ever happen but it should that frees up minutes for Kaysan Wallace to come in that frees up minutes for the next several years worth of first round draft picks to come in you're you're shedding Lou Dort, who at this point is like your fifth option, anyways. He can go to Chicago, where a Lou Dort and Alex Caruso-led defense is terrifying. First of all, that's like you're immediately just by default a top ten defense at that point. And you know what? He's on a better trajectory. It's not like Kobe White and a bunch of thirty-five year olds. I like it. I I would be a hundred percent down. I've been I've been trying to. I've actually turned the corner on Vucevic. Like, I'm not a, a hater anymore. I really think that his lack of success in Chicago is really because of Billy Donovan's inability to, mm-hmm. to utilize him in the way that he should be. But if we were to ship him off and get somebody like Lou Dort, which I feel like I, I feel like we still – yeah, I guess I guess we would get some – we would probably get at least a first one first-round pick in there for Vooch. He's still he's – still, 20 point per game, 2010 sort of uh, score and rebounder. So I'd be down for that. Um, I, I, I want to send up send up deuces to our, our guy, Zach, um, <laughs> who just recently expressed his just undying devotion to Lou Dort on the OKC Thunder. But he's we're coming for him. We're coming for him, Zach. That's what happens. You can't show love to these kinds of players. <laughs> Nobody's ever shown love to Quentin Grimes, and the Knicks have held on to him for years. <laughs> That's the problem. And so for for the uh, final trade here, very similar thing uh, going back to my team. Very similar, even-killed trade. Um, the New York Knicks just need a scoring option out there, as we've addressed. The Los Angeles Lakers need a veteran <laughs> presence who's played a lot of years in the league. So LeBron James uh, is heading to New York for Taj Gibson. Uh, you can go ahead and call that in. <laughs> And uh, both teams, you know, meeting up in the finals after that one. So, <laughs> I think LeBron would be all in. All of the, all of the, uh, all the hints that he's throwing out there, man, he he would make it happen. He just, 
You mean the like Statue of Liberty emoji and the wearing orange and blue and the yes. next towel? The uh, yeah. hourglass emoji mm-hmm. times almost up for uh, for the Lakers. <laughs> oh man, I was well, I was wondering if you're going to sneak a, a LeBron trade in there, and and I should have known that you were. Uh, I I've, I was looking at uh, Kevin O'Connor's recent article, just about recent recent NBA news, and um, what do you think about this trade he that he offered up? LeBron for Julius Randle, Evan Fournier, and three first rounders. Is that a yes from you as a as a Knicks fan? Ooh. The problem is that LeBron. <laughs> I hate that I'm saying this. The problem is that LeBron's an expiring this year, so if he just wants to leave. <laughs> Then we're just out you three first rounders and like our second best player. So, um, and I'm going to say something, and this is amongst all the things I've ever said on this podcast or in life. This is one of the worst things I've ever said. But like, how if you had to put a percent on how much better LeBron is right now than Julius Randle, <laughs> what would you put that at? You're asking the hard questions, man. The hard but but realistic <laughs> questions. <laughs> I'm telling, like, is he like that much better? Like, is he three first round picks better? Um, I just I don't know about all that. Um, <laughs> hey, but like if a- you get LeBron, you might get Bronny. So you know, at, at some can- point. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we'll get him like in the stands cheering. But <laughs> well, with all these first round picks, who knows? <laughs> these yeah. First round picks being shipped off. Oh, I don't think you need a first round pick to get Bronny. I'll put it that way. <laughs> I've seen some USC games this year. Mm. Um, yeah, that would be that would be something. It, I've I've seen every fake trade involving LeBron to the Knicks involving Julius Randle. And it always gives me pause because I'm just like, man, they're very similar, like in their play styles at this point in LeBron's career. And if I'm being honest, we at least know we have Julius Randle for four <laughs> more years. And I, like, I don't know about LeBron. So um, it's like, it's if you could just drop him in right now without having to really trade anything for him, it'd be so awesome. So that's why I say, Lakers, come get Taj Gibson. He's been. <laughs> He's been great for my team, for Keith's team, for mm-hmm. Zach's team, the OKC Thunder. He is uh he he claps very hard. Um he built a basketball court in like a poor community in New York, I think. There you go. So humanitarian. Yeah. Humanitarian. And that's honestly what the Lakers need right now. <laughs> yeah, the Lakers are hopeless anyway. Let LeBron let LeBron be happy. Uh I I'm for it. I'm all in. <laughs> I love it, man. I hope that some of those come true, and uh, I hope that whenever we record our pod next, we'll be we'll be looking back and thinking, man, we really know we really know the minds of these NBA GMs. That is going to do it for our episode today, folks. I want to thank you guys for listening and tuning in. As always, um, the trade deadline, like we have mentioned, is is coming up in just two days. So by the time we record next, we'll probably be talking about some moves or lack of moves that these teams have been making. And so make sure that you tune in. Continue to stay tuned in to what we're doing here at Deep 2. Rye, as always, it's great talking hoops with you, and we will catch you all next time. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Deep2Pod. 
That's deep, the number two, pod. Also, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and make sure to leave us a five-star rating so we can continue to bring the latest in the NBA and all of our mild to spicy takes. Catch you next time here at Deep Two.